Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Dr. Stacy Bell, and I'll be your guest host for this special edition of SoundBites. As the National Psoriasis Foundation's Chief Scientific and Medical Officer, I've been answering a lot of questions about the coronavirus and have been closely monitoring the situation available data, and how it applies to patients with psoriasis and or psoriatic arthritis. As always, I am very fortunate to partner with our thought leaders, particularly our medical board and our scientific advisory committee. Joining me today is Dr. Abby Van Voorhees, professor and chair of dermatology at Eastern Virginia Medical School, where she specializes in the care of patients with psoriasis and eczema. Dr. Van Voorhees is actively involved in clinical research related to the treatment of psoriasis, and is the chair of the National Psoriasis Foundation's Medical Board. As chair of the Foundation's Medical Board, Dr. Van Voorhees and the NPF led efforts with key dermatology and rheumatology providers across the country to develop the Medical Board's COVID-19 recommendations for patients with psoriatic disease. Shortly after COVID-19 infections began in the U.S., Dr. Van Voorhees and I began seeking input from NPF experts on the Medical Board and Scientific Advisory Committee regarding the potential impact on our community. Dr. Van Voorhees is with us today to address the impact of coronavirus on patients with psoriatic disease and to present survey data obtained from key opinion leaders from the MPF's Medical Board and Scientific Advisory Committee. Welcome, Abby. Thank you for being on SoundBites today. So as you know, NPF's Medical Board initially started discussing COVID-19 in late February. What would you say was the impetus for this discussion? If you remember what was happening at the end of February, at that time, COVID really seemed like a faraway concern. And I think uh, Joel Belfand was somebody who really had the vision that understood that this was something that might impact our day-to-day way we take care of patients. So he was one who really got the, the idea for surveying the medical board and scientific advisory committee. So like everything and everyone else right now, we've seen how the COVID-19 situation has rapidly evolved into the current health crisis. Would you say that this evolution impacted the development and the results of the surveys that have been done over time for the medical board and the SAC members? Oh, it certainly is the case. We got the results of our first survey in the beginning of March, and it's very clear when you look at these results that we really expected that this episode was going to be much less impactful on care of patients throughout the United States. I think most people were providers who were taking care of patients with psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. Mostly people felt like if we just reminded people of what the CDC guidelines were, that that was in good shape. And I think the feeling was that in general, the recommendations would be the same as for everybody else with encouraging good hand washing, minimize touching to the face, avoiding travel to endemic areas, and we thought there were just a few isolated ones, such as China or Korea. We, we certainly had no thought of it being more widely prevalent in the United States. 
what we saw in that initial survey that we did in the beginning of March was a much less worried group of key opinion leaders. Excellent. And as the health public health crisis expanded, how do you think you and your colleagues' thinking has evolved, even over the past few weeks? What was the most striking change, in your opinion? I think the most striking thing is really just how much has changed. That is really what what I find most remarkable. So what's very clear, we asked our colleagues again if they're getting a lot of questions from their patients about COVID, and now they're nary a soul that wasn't getting those concerns, so that we're getting a lot of questions. And then there are specifically questions about patients who are either on systemic therapies or on uh, biologic therapies. And that concern is reflected not just in the, the number of calls we're getting, but the key opinion leaders also feeling that, more of them feeling that there was a potential, possibly a concern. I think there's pretty uniform feeling that if someone truly develops COVID, that the systemic medication or the biologic medication, whichever the patient may be on, that should definitely be stopped. And there's starting to be some thoughts among some of the key opinion leaders about whether there's a role for individual drugs. So in other words, are there advantages or disadvantages of the unique agent? Excellent. And that really brings me into my next question. As the evolution of thinking with many of our experts occurred, the medical board worked very hard to reach a consensus to provide recommendations for our community and the COVID-19 recommendations for people with psoriatic disease was released on March 20th. You already noted some of the key recommendations. Could you address some of the others that were included? Yeah, so I think certainly uh, the recommendations endorse the guidelines put out by the CDC. So washing your hands frequently, making sure that if you don't feel well, you stay home and that you protect both yourselves and others. I think really did try to ensure that we educate the psoriasis community as a whole. But one of the things that I think is particularly important that we put in our statement was understanding that people who have psoriasis may in fact, may be at an ever so slightly increased risk of infection but that those with concurrent other diseases like diabetes, like psoriatic arthritis, hypertension, that that group of psoriasis patients may be at yet a, a, a slightly increased risk above the person who just has cutaneous disease. So I think that was a very important statement for patients to understand what the risks really are for them in this time where there's so much chaotic information. I really think some of the most intriguing results and really some of the, the focal points of discussion for the survey data relate to the use of biologics and oral systemic therapies. Do you feel that there was a consensus in the survey responses regarding treatment approaches? You already noted stopping therapies during infection, but how about other points of note? As I said earlier in this call, back in the beginning of March, I think most people were really feeling that this was not going to be particularly uniquely impactful for our community. 
when you move into our survey that we did in the middle of March, you start to see for those patients who have concurrent comorbid diseases, half of the key opinion leaders are saying that they're thinking that they may even stop one of their systemic or biologic medications. So not complete concordance, but certainly that's a really a rising number. And more recently, as you just alluded to, 100% saying that if somebody has COVID, then absolutely uh, the drugs ought to be discontinued right away. So I think in that regard, there is that consensus. Also, potentially the age of the patients, so those who are 65 and older. And it, some people believe that it may have to do with the particular drug that's in question. Thank you. So one question that we've been getting quite a bit and goes a bit beyond what's been surveyed to date, but if a patient does stop their biologic because they have been infected, when can therapy be restarted? What would be your opinion on that? Most of the key opinion leaders in this survey felt that patients can restart a month after they are well. There were a few people who said right away. I think the trouble with COVID is it's hard to know for sure when you're out of the woods. So I think giving a few extra weeks just to be sure the person's on the mend and that, that they're feeling better it seems like a very reasonable timeline to me. So what happens if a patient is scheduled for their next dose in the office? but due to the circumstances of the pandemic, they're unable to make it into the office. What should they do? What if a treatment isn't effective at this point in time? Should an alternative treatment be considered? Or would you recommend that they be triaged as best can be and asked to come into the office at a later date? This is really a conundrum, and I, I think this is a really a, a gray zone. So you've asked a couple of questions here. So let me break them down. So if a patient is scheduled for a dose and they can't come in, there is a little bit of data that says that chances are they'll get away with either skipping a dose or missing that dose. Trouble is, for some of our medications where the dosing is more frequent, like every two weeks or something like that, then I'm not sure two weeks from now we're going to be really out of the thick of this. So I think in that situation, though, we're going to have to judge it on a case-by-case basis. Brittle the person's psoriasis is, what their baseline was, someone stops their biologic and they return to their baseline, how terrible was that and what has their treatment history been? So I think it's, I think here the, there's a lot of gray zone and talking with the patient and uh, trying to understand what their path has been and what medications still remain possible. But I think the second part of the question is can alternative treatments be considered? And the answer to that is definitely yes. We've started doing teledermatology in my office, and while it's not ideal, it certainly is a whole lot better than nothing. And I have patients who I've changed therapies on already over the video conference calls that we do, and it takes a little more explaining. I think the patients are hugely appreciative of the fact that they're, they don't have to, you know, just wait until this virus epidemic is over before they can get care for their concerns. And so I personally am not hesitating to change therapy when uh, needed. And as I said earlier, one of our most recent surveys suggests that some people are intentionally changing therapies because they 
feel that there may be a little less risk of one class of biologic over another or one class of systemic over another. The most extreme example, I suppose, is think of the difference between acetretin and cyclosporin. Acetretin has no immunosuppressive properties, whereas cyclosporin has fairly broad immunosuppressive properties. So certainly in that kind of situation, I wouldn't hesitate to switch classes. So switching amongst drugs, be they systemics or biologics, I think is is a definite consideration. And certainly quite a few of our key opinion leaders are changing biologics, doing so via Teladerm. Definitely. I think the thing I'd like to add there, too, is I think this is another area where the MPF can really be partnering with our providers in the community. Our patient navigation center has developed resources for our patients about preparing for telehealth appointments. So some of the questions to ask, some of the concerns that a patient may have, they can by all means be raising it there. And then our advocacy team is also working on efforts right now to support coverage for telehealth and even home health visits as needed. So switching gears just a little bit, we talked about treatments, et cetera, but could you comment on how the survey respondents indicated if they've had any changes in frequency of of other routine care, routine laboratory assessments for specific treatment options or just in general due to COVID-19? So there were a couple of changes, and I think these are very provocative. It really speaks to the fact that medicine is changing like in real time, but in front of our very eyes. So first of all, because we're trying to comply with social distancing, many of us are using Teloderm. And like I said earlier, while it's not not quite as good, I don't think, as an in-person visit. I can't touch the skin, and sometimes it's a, a little tricky. If the patient has a desktop computer, I want to take a look at their legs. Sometimes that's more or less feasible. We've had a couple of people doing some pretty gymnastic uh, moves to try to show us their their skin. But all in all, despite its limitations, it is pretty good. And I think the important thing is to realize that, as a consequence, we really can have a communication with them and make sure they're doing okay. And I at least think that my patients seem to really appreciate it. But the other thing that's also really remarkable is that about two-thirds of the key opinion leaders have changed their lab monitoring stance. And I can tell you I'm in that group. And I previously, I used to check labs twice a year when on, say, my biologic patients. And now I'm, I'm very reluctant to having them go into the hospital just to get a, a routine CBC or CMP when they otherwise feel well. So I can tell you that I personally have pushed out that more routine lab monitoring till a post-COVID time. And we saw that in the survey results with about roughly a third saying that they switched from monitoring labs twice a year to once a year, and another third saying they've pushed it off to post-COVID. So I certainly think that you see people saying, how do you balance the goods? The risk of getting sick and being out and about to get a routine that reasonable or to have that patient be um, be protected and being home. And, and so that's definitely a, a big change for many of us. And but something definitely that we wanted to highlight. 
And I think the other thing that the survey really reflected is just the number of our providers, at least those being surveyed, that have shifted to telehealth or alternative approaches and, again, to offer whatever they can for our community. Yeah, I've had a couple of patients of mine who were elderly and really so computer savvy. Even with them, I'm using telephone calls, which now Medicare will allow. And obviously there I can't see their skin. I have to hear from the patient what their skin looks like, but I feel like it's better than nothing. So that's another lower tech option that we're using when we get in a jam. So thank you so much for all the great information. What do you envision the next step being for the results of the surveys to date? And do you see this being an ongoing process to gauge the thoughts in our community? Such a fabulous tool because life on the ground is changing so quickly that it's really been fantastic to get the pulse of that in real time so that we can kind of understand if others are feeling similar to us and and if we're doing things in a way that makes sense. Times like this, I always feel like the more good heads thinking about things you have and weighing in on it, the better. In my opinion, teledermatology is here to stay. I think it will completely change medicine. I think there will be a role for person medicine in the future. I suspect we will use telemedicine, however, to triage patients going forward. And so that maybe that our our routine biologic patients who are doing great and checking on them and and the patient who's doing terrible, whose skin is unfortunately a mess, so those patients may be the, the ones we see in the office. I think there may be other differences, too, at least based on what I gleaned in the survey. I suspect we'll get used to doing less frequent routine lab monitoring. For some patients who get frightened during the COVID infection, they may back away from using some of the medications. I hope not because some of these medications are so impactful and so utterly life-changing for so many people. But there may be a subset of patients that, as a result of this, make different life choices. So I think we have to be prepared to have our eyes open to see what really comes. You never know. When you're in the middle of the fire, it's hard sometimes to understand what life is going to look like on the other side. But if I had to make a guess, those might be some of the things that will look different in the future. Wonderful. Do you have any final comments that you'd like to share with our listeners today about the survey results or or outcomes? Well, first of all, I, I guess I'd say that I'm glad to be able to share these results with you because I think that it's important that we all generously share whatever information we have about how to care for our patients in the best possible way. No one anticipated that we'd be living through this pandemic and and I think it is important that when our patients call, they understand that we, we do have some concerns about about them, especially if they are elderly or have concurrent comorbid diseases. To be taking the stay-in-place orders very seriously, it's starting to irritate me when I see people on the street corner, you know, hanging out in big groups. I'm starting to worry about that. So I think that we want to be sure that our, our patients are understanding what their potential risks are and responding accordingly. So I think we want to encourage that kind of social distancing in psoriasis patients as it's feasible. And, and mostly I want to say to all the listeners, you know, please stay healthy. 
Thank you, Abby, for your time and your efforts to present not only your thoughts, but the valuable data gathered from the Medical Board and Scientific Advisory Committee surveys that identified treatment strategies relevant to the concerns shared by patients and healthcare providers about COVID-19. The NPF and our Medical Board and Scientific Advisory Committee will continue to review COVID-19 data in relation to our community and provide recommendations for our patients and our providers through this ongoing crisis. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.